Hello, everyone. Welcome to our 100th episode. I want to take a minute and recognize those that have been so instrumental in getting us this far. First, I'd like to thank the directors at CIVT for their continued support. Drs. Barbara Royal, Natasha Lilly, Nicola Spooner, and Mr. Robert Kelly. Thank you to all of the guests who have so graciously given up your time in your busy schedules to tell us your stories. I've learned so much from all of you. Finally, I'd like to thank the listeners of the podcast for your support and positive feedback. It's really wonderful to know that you're enjoying these stories as much as I do. Along the way, we've heard a wide variety of origin stories, practice histories, and ways of making a living as an integrated veterinarian. Learning about how you all practice your craft has been inspirational. I'm as excited about the next 100 interviews as I was for the first one. So for this episode, something a little different. This is a conversation between Dr. Barbara Fougere and I, who in a moment of weakness originally approved this little experiment. As most of you know, talking with Barbara is always a pleasure, and I was happy to have the opportunity. Thank you all again for your support. Cheers. Welcome to today's episode, um, the CIVT podcast, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Dr. Neil Sivilla. Dr. Silverla received his DVM from Ohio State University College of Veterinary Medicine, and he completed an internship and clinical residency and a PhD from the University of Minnesota College. He's a certified animal chiropractor. He's a certified Chinese herbalist and food therapist, and he also holds advanced acupuncture certification from the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture. He's actually a fellow of the AAVA, and there's not many fellows uh, in acupuncture, so kudos to Neil. He's also an Asui Reiki master, and there's a lot of other aspects to Neil that we'll uncover as we get through this podcast. Dr. Savilla is also a veterinarian who's provided a lot of service to the integrative community. He's a past board member of AVCA, COAC and the AAVA. He's also um, been on the board of directors and a president of the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. And we could go on and on and on, but I think we'll just get straight into it. So, Neil... Tell me a little bit about your evolution as an integrative practitioner. Where did you start and what inspired you to get into this field? Sure. Hi, Barbara. Um, Hi. <laughs> I, uh, I had uh, myself, like a lot of uh, veterinarians that get into integrative medicine, I had a personal health issue. I had uh, a back injury from sports in high school. And that resulted in surgery and I had some lingering complications from that uh, that, that uh, kept popping up into vet school. And when I got out and was doing my internship in Minnesota, I was still having some discomfort and uh, my student graduate student health insurance covered acupuncture, which was phenomenal back then because that was a million years ago. And wow. I met a great physician through the through the student health service that did acupuncture and he treated me and it was wonderful and it just I took off from there that's often the way isn't it you know some sort of health um, issue sort of gets us um, linked in with other services because we, we we're not 
we, we can't get the, the, the solutions or the resolution that we want. So I think that's quite common. Do, is that your experience talking to other integrative practitioners? Oh, very much so. Yeah. 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 So you've also been the founder of Dancing Paws Animal Wellness Centre, which is an integrative uh, practice in Richfield, Ohio. And I understand you provide all those modalities. Um, You've owned your practice for over 20 years. I love the name Dancing Paws. Tell us a little bit about a typical day for you and how your team supports you in the work that you do. Sure. Um, I'm fortunate that all I do is is integrated medicine. I don't do any traditional practice any longer. Mm-hmm. So um, we run a long clinic day. We we see patients for 12 hours, uh, four days a week. So um, today's what today's Wednesday. So today my day off. A little time for all of us to recharge in the middle of the week. But right. uh, I start seeing patients at at uh, 9 a.m. and we go till 9 p.m. I have five uh, staff members that assist me, and everybody is wonderful. They get the patients in and out, help me with histories, help me with treatments, and it just makes my load a lot easier. How do you get through the day? Like, how do you get through a 12-hour shift and still keep that energy and be able to, you know, to focus on each patient as they come through the door? You know, it's just all about pacing and and mindset, you know, We, Mm -hmm. we don't we don't cram the patients in. We see patients uh, in half-hour blocks, new patients uh, in a longer set. So there's enough time to take all the time that we need with, with the patients when they come in for rechecks and, you know, say everything we need to say, do everything we need to do, get things charted. And so I'm yeah. not behind that way. And, and so it's just a, a nice flow, I think, for everybody. <laughs> It sounds like you've got a nice balance, you know, to have your own practice and to have literally a day in the middle of the week to recharge is a phenomenal way to to, to get through the week. Um, uh, so I'm really interested in um, your background as well. I know that you um, did a master's in um, divinity um, in Buddhist studies and has that influenced the way you practice and the way that you run your business? Oh, very much so. You know, mm-hmm. I was fortunate to have my um, my business for for a bit before I did the master's degree. But just being involved in in that study and being involved with um, having a teacher that I worked with every week and just you know getting my focus and and uh, clarity on what was important and how I should spend my time it just was has been really helpful. I mean, I can't. Hopefully, uh, I can't see myself stopping anytime soon. I just love what I do, and and I think that we work at a pace that allow me to to continue for quite some time. That's that's just uh, wonderful to to be able to um, achieve um, that that sense um, of as you say clarity and and also purpose. Um, a lot of veterinarians, you know, after twenty or thirty years, um, lose their. Uh, mojo, I guess, in practice, and and you've been able to sustain that. Um, so, I would be really interested to know if if you were talking um, to our our veterinary community, what would be the one teaching um, f- from your from your philosophy that you would like to share with listeners that might help them in their practice. I think the biggest thing is just to be, and not to use an overworked term, but just to be mindful, pay attention, you know, mm-hmm. take each moment and each, each patient as it comes and, and concentrate on that thing, do that thing. And, and then just 
let it end and move on to the next. Do you have any uh, tips or tricks between patients um, to um, reset yourself or ground yourself, particularly if you've had, let's say, a more challenging um, consultation or a challenging patient? You know, I do. I, I've, again, I'm lucky enough that we have our schedule uh, situated such that I've got time to come back to my desk and do my charting and reflect a bit. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a stone that's precious to me that um, I've got right there by my keyboard and I can touch that or uh, I've got a couple of mala. Mala's laying around as well that I can just settle and, and get myself centered and get ready for the next thing. The stone really does sound a little bit like grounding, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> the connection to nature. Yes. Mm-hmm. So on nature, um, I know that uh, you have a passion for the environment and, and nature, and I'd like to know how that passion is reflected in your practice um, or how it influences your practice. We feel uh, we're we're fortunate in that our office is located pretty close to a um, Ohio's only national park, thirty three thousand acres, and I can walk out to the end of the driveway and and look and and pretty much see the park from uh, from where we're located. So we really do feel that influence of of nature and its effect on our lives and and my patients' lives and. We've, we're lucky that we have four real distinct seasons. We're heavily into fall right now, and and uh, it's just it's very uh, fulfilling to see and to be to experience. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, oftentimes, as practitioners, we're um, stuck um, in a. When I say stuck, I mean inside a building, inside a room, and you know, seeing back to back patients often and the very thing that can recharge us and can ground us, um, we kind of disconnect from, which is, you know, actually seeing trees or seeing plants. Do you have plants in your practice? Not really, because we've got a, a number of office cats that are, a bit, that are, <laughs> oh, that are a bit mischievous, but I've got plants, you know, we've got plants outside right outside the window. Yeah. And so that's my enjoyment. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that you've got cats in your practice, but um, tell me about the animals in your family. Well, I've got uh, two pit bulls here. Um, they go back and forth between home and work. Got mm-hmm. at present. The present census is there are four cats here at home and <laughs> seven cats at the office. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, boy, that would take a lot of work, but uh, yeah. I guess they all get on well together, right? For the most part, yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yep. So your pit bulls have been uh, an interesting part of your, um, your, your journey as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, where they came from and uh, how they've come to be with you? Yeah, yeah. They, um, the first one, James, was a patient. He was a, a famous abuse case in Cleveland, Ohio. He had run away from home, was uh, hit by a car after banging about a month on the road, and um, sustained, uh, let me see, a right hip fracture, a right uh, stifle fracture, a left hip uh, displacement. And then while he was laying in the road, some men came up and started beating him with, with uh, pieces of wood and bricks. And, and so he was in pretty rough shape. He'd, he, his physical condition wasn't good to begin with. And he went to the local humane society and he was fortunate enough that they had the funds to, 
uh, invest in some advanced care for him. And he started coming to our practice for rehab. And so we got to know him a little bit. And and uh, when it came time for him to be adopted, uh, we put our name in and, and <laughs> we're fortunate enough to be able to uh, to be able to bring him home. And so he's just a constant reminder. We've got we've got a, a second one shortly thereafter because uh, the other dog in the household, unfortunately, had passed. And he's he's real social and he needs company. And so we've got another pit bull from the same organization that had had uh, multiple uh, returns because she's got some medical issues as well. And, and so we've got two in the household, but him especially is just everybody that meets him, uh, just appreciates that the level of forgiveness that he's got, you know, he, he loves, he loves everyone. He's got a memory about a mile long. It's been, um, it's been, uh, five years since, since his adoption. And he was fortunate enough to go back to the, to the, uh, Animal Protective League, where he had uh, originated from, and you know he remembers everyone. He remembers everyone from from the time that he was there. Yeah, I mean, pit bulls get a bit of a bad rap, um, and it just goes to show you that you know um, nurturing and uh, and and giving them what they need can make um, a huge difference to their. Um, experience in the way that they respond and when you said forgiveness oh my gosh I mean that's true of so many animals isn't it oh gosh yeah yeah for sure so another interesting aspect of your professional life is that you've been a professor of CIVT for the past five years or so and uh, what's your experience of that been like I still can't believe that it's been that long. I know. Time <laughs> flies, doesn't it? It's Yes, but it's been wonderful. I love CIVT. I love their mission. I love the connection um, that we have with veterinarians uh, all around the world. Today mm-hmm. I spoke for the podcast. I recorded with a veterinarian from Denmark and one from Scotland. And it's just it's just amazing the, the breadth of things that CIVT offers. I just... I love learning, and I know that the the, the other s- students at CIVT love learning, and it, just the, the the things that CIVT can offer um, veterinarians who have an interest in our type of medicine is just it's just amazing. The co- new courses we've got the uh, essential oil course that's coming out. I'm really excited about the nutrition courses. Uh, we've got podcasts coming up uh, about planetary health, which I think is is really great. Nobody else is offering that, and it just it it's a group of veterinarians and, and veterinary nurses and that have a common interest. And it's just wonderful for me to have that constant stimulation, um, with a global reach. Yeah. So <clears throat> given, given that, that there is a movement in this direction, um, what would be your vision for veterinary medicine in the next 10 years? Like where do you see us going um, as a profession, and where does integrative medicine fit into that? I think you know it's almost you know we're almost in a, as far as integrated practitioners we're in a th- almost a third wave. I think you know mm-hmm. I, that first wave when I first graduated, you have those integrative practitioners, but they were they were really few and far between, and and they were more alternative than integrative. And you know they've maybe rejected, uh, didn't practice any. Um, any conventional medicine, they only existed on the fringes. They were scorned by their colleagues, and you know those they set um, they set a pretty high standard of care, even though they weren't um, 
certainly when I was a student, they weren't looked upon as, as credible and they really paved the way for where we sit now, you know, and now as integrated practitioners, we're, we're accepting more of our conventional colleagues more and more, not, not enough, but we're getting there. And I think we'll be the, we'll be the ones to lead this, this kind of third wave as we look at planetary health and improving the lives of not only our patients, but, um, in a one health concept, you know, our fellow humans and, and the planet. It's really interesting, isn't it, that um, <clears throat> parallel between uh, the philosophy and practice of integrative medicine and what we need right now from a holistic perspective looking at what's happening to the planet. And it's it's almost like, you know, the problem-solving skills you develop as an integrative therapist um, and that mindset of of looking outside of the square, if you like, really sets us up, as you say, to help lead in this way. How do you think integrative practitioners can take an active role in their communities to to be the change that we need? Well, I think, you know, we make more inroads with our colleagues, our conventional colleagues by, um, you know, the if we look at just the courses at CIVT and how they train us to embrace the evidence and and use that to back up what we're doing, and we uh, make those inroads with our colleagues, we make those inroads with professionals in other fields, and I mean we're a reliable source of information. And you know our clients, I'm sure my clients are no different than anyone else that's listening. Their clients, they de- they depend on us for information not only about their pet's health but about uh, human and planetary health in general. I mean, yeah. I give out a lot of advice. Yeah. And, and you know, certainly um, when people come to integrative practitioners for care for their animals, um, it's sometimes the first time they're introduced to the concepts. Um, do you find many clients then take that on board for themselves? Oh, every day. Every day. Yeah. I try to maintain a, you know, that's something I ask of my new clients. If they've had experience, you know, we introduce them, of course, to those therapies through their pet, but I maintain sort of a mental list. And sometimes I I do have a short list of uh, practitioners that I can refer people to because, yeah, they are interested in experiencing that for themselves a lot of times. Yeah. So back to your practice, Dancing Paws. Tell me about Dancing Paws, the actual um, inspiration for the name and what your practice does that that creates that that dynamic or that energy. You know, the, I just kind of fell into the name. I didn't want it um, in thinking about things. I, I wanted something with an upbeat uh, vibe, and didn't want to name the clinic after myself, as <laughs> a lot of <laughs> practitioners do. And it just that it seemed like that was the, the the intent. The goal was to take. I see a lot of geriatrics, and just to take those um, those pets that aren't having the best life and to try to improve that and improve the quality of their life. And, and that's really borne out over time is that's a focus for us is to, um, see those, we see a lot of geriatrics and, and to help improve their comfort and their function. And, and we get a lot of, uh, dancing jokes from the clients, but it's still, it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. Well, it sounds to me like, you know, Dancing pools to me sounds like vitality, you know, one of these principles of integrative medicine of improving energy and vitality and well-being and it, it just sounds like a great name. It's obviously a very creative name and I'd like to know what your creative inspiration is as a veterinarian. 
You know, I I get out in nature. I find that's probably the biggest thing that allows me to to think freely is to get out and, and just be out amongst it. Um, I listen to, I mean, I, I'm fortunate that through my role with CIVT, I get to talk to a lot of different veterinarians and listen to a lot of uh, different webinars and lectures and and that just inspires me and I listen to a lot of podcasts of from various um, in various uh, categories and I just let that stuff wash over me and and it's just it's just uh, wonderful to have all those sorts of input and just let things percolate. I like that idea. So we might have some veterinarians listening to this podcast that are putting a toe in the water wanting to maybe get into integrative medicine, what would be your advice to them? I think you should uh, just jump in, you know, find something. It seems like when I talk to people, they they find something that resonates with them and they get started and they see where that line, where that takes them. And I think, you know, whether you have a pull toward acupuncture or herbal medicine or something more physical like chiropractic, uh, or even, uh, you know, the energetics of homeopathy appeal, uh, you know, get started and, and you meet people and you talk to people and you see what, what, uh, what you're passionate about and you follow it. Yeah. Um, and you know, getting, getting the opportunity to actually start within a mainstream practice, unless you own your own practice can be a little bit challenging. Do you have any, um, suggestions or ideas for, um, those veterinarians that work within the, the mainstream how do they go about starting to get that experience with integrative medicine? That can be a real struggle. You know, I, you know, you, the veterinarians that, uh, at least here in the United States that, that take an acupuncture course, you know, and they're in a traditional practice where maybe their employer isn't, or their partners aren't supportive. It can be really frustrating. And I think that's where, again, where, I see a difference with the the courses through CIVT being evidence based, and that allows a practitioner to come back to their practice and say, "Hey, listen, you know, I'd like to stock these herbs, and you know, they've got a basis. We've got a rational basis for their use, and um, let me just get started, and let's let's work with these things, and not in necessarily an alternative manner, but in an integrative manner. And I think that's uh, when you show that integrity, uh, using the evidence. Um, not throwing out the the uh, the allopathic, but embracing the the good parts and making it a an integrated plan. I think that's where most people can find some success. Fantastic, and I mean you've been a practitioner for a very long time, and I was um, thrilled to see you. Um, um, take up the graduate diploma of veterinary Western herbal medicine a couple of years ago. Tell me about your experience as you know a busy practitioner undertaking a postgraduate degree. How did that go for you? I absolutely loved it. Um, that was that program was something that I had been promising myself as kind of a treat uh, after doing some other things. And once I cleared those responsibilities off my plate, just having that structure, for the graduate diploma, uh, it was wonderful. I, I was able to look at a, at a module, know what was expected of me, know what sort of work I had to do. And it was just, uh, I had the I'd set aside the time and I had the energy and I, I really didn't need the energy. It was just, the program just pulls you through and I just absolutely loved it. And I don't regret it for a minute. It was wonderful. And how has it 
how has it uh, been incorporated into your practice? Because, I mean, you had all these other amazing modalities, you know, acupuncture and chiropractic and rehab and what have you. How, how, is it, how have you managed to incorporate it into your practice? Well, I'd used some some Western herbs, but you know, not very well. I haven't hadn't given it a lot of attention. I'd given more attention to Chinese herbs because mm-hmm. of my acupuncture background, and and the Western herbs really just, um, you know, I just had an inkling in the back of my mind that that was something that was pulling at me, and I was able to, through that knowledge that I gained with the course, you know, lay in a nice pharmacy with some uh, with a plan, and approach these uh, the cases uh, with that with that Western herbal mindset, um, that really resonated with me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so many different philosophies you can approach from the Western, even just from the Western herbal mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I just set myself up. The course helped me set myself up for success. You know, we, we plan and we lay out the dispensary. We learn how to, to prepare the, to prepare the herbs, how to f- put the formulas together. And I just started and, um, the clients accept it. Yep. And it works well, and I've just—it's just taken off. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I—I—I I, I, I love it too because I think you know when you get those challenging cases, having a, a structured way to um, to approach the cases uh, is, I think, um, instead of just sort of pulling out herbs out of the air, actually having a, a strategy, I think, um, really increases your chances of um, efficacy and, and safety as well. So I'm really glad you enjoyed the course. Um, so do you have any teas in your practice? Yes. Um, <laughs> for me, I haven't, yeah. I haven't made any. I've been, uh, of course, through your tutelage, I have moved away from the, uh, from the black tea. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've been, on, uh, I've been on a matcha kick for quite a while. Oh. And I've got a really nice Japanese green tea that I'm enjoying as well. Lovely. Delicious. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's your favorite tea or do you have another favorite tea? No, that the matcha I've got, uh, that I've been having for the last few months has been really good. I've been having it every morning and, mm-hmm. and I'm not giving, I'm not giving that up. Are your, are your staff, um, your team members, um, participating in tea on a regular basis? Nope. That's just me. Ah, just you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, um, uh, I just wanted to, um, this opportunity to um, first of all thank you for your service to the to the veterinary community. You've done an outstanding um, job with many of your roles in various um, committees. Um, in terms of other veterinarians wanting to participate um, in the integrative community, um, do you have any suggestions for them? Get involved. I mm-hmm. I can't think of I can't think of any association that I'm a part of at present that isn't scrambling for volunteers. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonderful way. Um, with anyone with an interest that wants to meet people, wants to be exposed to different things. I mean, I can rattle off. I'd start with my own state association. I'm involved with the integrative committee for my state association and we're scrambling for members. And it's just been a wonderful experience because we put together uh, the integrative track for our, for our uh, annual conference and we get some really great speakers and we're always hurting for help. And we look at the national groups, the, um, the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture, the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association, the, the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. There's mm-hmm. so many ways to serve even that group. I think about the, uh, the journal, the conference planning committee. You know, there's just so, so many ways to get involved and the groups need help. 
Mm-hmm. And apart from you know you give uh, um, you giving your help, what do you think the benefits are of being part of this community? It's just a way to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's the way to use your skills. If you've got yep. social media skills or writing skills, it's a way to contribute in that way. But it's mm-hmm. also in a, in a selfish way. For me, it's just been a way to meet some really, really great people that I never would have met otherwise. Yeah, I have to say that to me has been the most joyous aspect of um, participating in various committees is just meeting like-minded people um, and through the whole continuum of personalities <laughs> um, but you know this this real passion for um, really making a difference to animal health and not just focusing on disease again part of that philosophy of integrative medicine improving health and well-being and not just being concerned about the diagnosis which is clearly important um, or the medicine but what else can we do to impact um, on the on the patient's um, lifestyle and diet and um, stress levels and things like that. It's um, been a wonderful way to learn. So, Neil, um, you've been described as a Zen Buddhist, a poodle acupuncturist, a fabulous teacher, and I have so enjoyed your teachings, and a very well-respected veterinarian. And I just wanted to thank you very much um, on this podcast for sharing some of your insights, um, the way you practice, some of your philosophy, um, your veterinary and your life journey with us. Is there anything else you would like to say in closing? Well, thank you, Barbara, for one. And I'm so happy to be a part of CIVT. CIVT. Um, I just think integrative veterinarians are some of the best people I've ever met, and I appreciate everything they do and the the struggles that they face and the the victories that they have. And uh, I just can't, uh, can't say enough how, how proud I am to be part of a group that of uh, health professionals that um, is just out there doing the best work. Yeah. So for anyone listening, um, please consider getting involved in your integrative community, getting involved with CIVT. And if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in contact with CIVT. Um, Maybe you can be interviewed on one of our podcasts and you don't necessarily have to be, you know, doing it for years and years. If you're just starting out even, we'd love to hear from you. Um, So with that, Neil, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Barbara. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.